breakfast is a, a strange thing in Japan. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Fencing Podcast. And I'm Kate. And I'm Gav. And I'm Sean. Here we are again. Let's get our, let's get our thank yous done. Thank you as always to uh, our lovely sponsors, Liam Paul, for supporting us yet again for this season. And Thanks thank- guys, you rock. Thank you. They certainly do. And thank you also to our equally lovely, that's the official position, uh, Patreon supporters uh, who help the, the Good Ship Fencing Podcast uh, continue on its merry ways. No, I didn't. You Patreon supporters for a while. I can't help feeling that you know there must be a few of you out there who, uh-huh. now that you've done all your Christmas shopping, are are ready to make a, a final a final Christmas present to us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe worth a try. Anyway, follow the link in the show notes. You know you want yeah. to do it. So, so uh, yeah, take for some news. Take for some news to kick things off. Despite me being extremely rude about Cairo's efforts to to produce any sort of a live stream. Um, at the FIE Congress, which happened uh, at the beginning of December, they've been Egypt have been awarded the the hosting rights for the Senior World Championships in 2021. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. They'll, uh, I mean, there'll definitely be some TV for that. But at the same time, it just seems a bit odd that they've just run these events but not been able to stage them in any way. Yeah, I'm hoping that they they use these events to learn from and work on and improve on. Hmm. But yeah, I'm 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 sort of apprehensive about it, especially as Budapest was a really high level. They've got to either match that or make it one better. It's quite a big ask, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Uh, talking to the Hungarians responsible for the for, for Budapest, uh, and it's kind of once you do once you go that little extra, everybody wants that little bit extra. So it tends to build up over time. You know, so Beijing was this massive event. Now everybody has to be, be better than Beijing. I am apprehensive, but they have the pyramids and they have staged an event there before. So, you know, maybe that's what we're going to get. Yeah, I mean, Cairo does actually host quite a lot of World Cups these days. I think uh, three of them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, no live streaming for the first two, obviously. Um, the Men's Sabre and Men's Sabre Women's Foil. Um, they've got one more to come later in the year and hopefully... The, the news that they're going to be hosting a world championships will be just the spur that they need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They ran a Grand Prix last year as well, and I can't actually remember if there was live streaming. Um, there would have been, but it would have been yeah. taken care of by the FIE. They they do all the basically all the sort of production for for the Grand Prix, so it doesn't matter where it is. The FIE will descend on it. Uh, Fencing Vision will provide the the live stream, and mm-hmm. uh, the FIE will, will provide their uh, one of their their usual selection of commentators from. Uh, Green Graham Bell and uh, David King. So it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I'm really, I'm really quite excited about the idea of, of going to Cairo, somewhere where I've never actually been. Yeah, just a little concerned about the actual running of the event. Well, Hope it goes well, anyway. Two, well, they've got a year and a bit now to sort themselves out, so... Yeah. yeah. Come on, Egypt. You can do it. <laughs> and uh, and the other bit of news from the um, the FIE Jolly was that finally, finally, we've got uh, minimum gender uh, equality for... Both the FIE's councils, which was agreed last mm. time round, uh, and finally for the commissions as well. So the difference is the the councils are appointed by the executive, uh, and the commissions are elected. And last time round, the the proposal that there should be a minimum of thirty percent representation on yeah, yeah. the commissions um, fell short. Which uh, well, we talked about it quite a bit at the time. 
uh, Gav, mm-hmm. as a sudden unexpected torchbearers for for gender equality. <laughs> yeah, well, it, was a, it was just such a disappointing moment. It was. Uh, it looked like everything was sort of falling into place. Everybody wanted it, and then it was sort of voted down at the very last second. So when you say a. Is it an increase of 30% or to 30%? That makes to to 30%. Yeah. So all the all the commissions now have to have a uh, a minimum representation of uh, 30% by uh, so so when the when their elections happen. So if, if the voting doesn't pan out that way, then there's some readjustment to ensure that that's the case. So it's definitely the minimum they've put there. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a look at the amount of women in the commission and councils mm-hmm. and. It is it is quite staggering the lack of women. The 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 biggest one is probably the coaches council where there's not a single woman on the the council at all. Uh, yeah, weirdly enough, when the proposal came out last time round, the um, coaches council was one of the very few that actually uh, recommended that it, it wasn't going to be adopted, which mm. uh, which was pretty embarrassing, really. I thought mm, indeed, but they've got there now finally. Mm-hmm. Change is difficult and change takes time. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be that difficult with this one. But anyway, with, no, no. They, they've, they've got there in the end. That's a, that's a bit of a relief, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well done, FIE. So should we talk about some actual fencing? That yeah, sounds like a good idea. Because <laughs> you, you guys have been um, exotic world travellers since the last time we, we got together, whereas I've been uh, at home. So I'm going to get mine out of the way because I'll probably have the, the least exciting news and... Uh, uh, the least in the way of exciting travel adventures, whereas you guys might have a bit more. Yeah, we'll kick off with uh, Sam Orr, uh Women's Foil. All, all the action we're talking about happened over the same weekend. So I had a quite an intensive weekend of watching a whole load of fencing, including getting up in the middle of the night and staying up late to watch other bits and pieces. France close enough that uh, that, was my, that was my daytime filled up, so that was easy. <laughs> a couple of, well, actually a few absentees for this one. No, no Nicole Ross, no Zinger Prescott, so two two kind of regulars in the in the USA team missing. Uh, Yuka Ueno wasn't there for Japan, and Eleanor Harvey was missing for Canada as well. So uh, in terms of the individual results, you might not necessarily expect them to be any of them to be nailed on to to be in the, on the podium, but did have quite an effect in the team. So we'll talk about that just a little bit later. The early departures, so out in the last sixty four. Uh, Gian Kvia, Ivanova of Russia, Korobaidakova of Russia, world champion silver medalist Pauline Ronvi, also going out in 64. Um, out in 32, Leonie Ebert of Germany, uh, Plumbo of Italy, Go of Canada, and Bubakri of Tunisia. And out in the, so probably the big result in the in the last 16 was uh, Elisa Di Francesca uh, losing out to Zagadolina of Russia. A bit of a surprising one, and quite comfortable as well. I think it was something like 15-9. So on to our quarterfinals. Ina Dergasova uh, beat Anita Blaz. And remember, Gav, it's Blaz, not Blaze. Got to get this right. Got to get our pronunciation right. You know how important <clears throat> that is now. I do, I do. But Blaze sounds so much cooler. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to stick with it. Since she's, since she's getting knocked out of this stage, Anita Blaze gets eliminated <laughs> by Dergasova. Uh, Martina Bettini uh, beat Zagadolina, so getting a bit of revenge for her, her teammate. Uh, Lee Kiefer beats Ariana Rigo. Uh, 15-11, that was a cracking match and would recommend going and have a look at that one. And uh, Elisa Volpe beat uh, Isola Tibus in France, uh, 15-12. So a pretty all-star cast in the in the latter stages. Um, I mean, a few early departures, but mm. all, the, all the sort of A-listers, if you like, uh, with the exception of Di Francesca into the into the eight. Uh, so our, our first semi-final, Bettini against uh, Derglasova. Really close, level pegging up to about 
about nine apiece. And then Derrickless Over goes on a run, hitting with pretty much everything, reposts, stop hits, counterattacks, attacks on prep, and, and charges out to a 14 9 lead. And it feels like the fight's over, really, at that point. I mean, it was a sort of defensive masterclass, Bettini mm. making most of the most of the pressure, but Derrickless Over picking up all the hits. Bettini managed to drag herself back into it. She never, she never had the look of somebody who'd. You know, who'd, who'd given up on the given up on the fight? She was, you know, continuing to prepare, press, but prepared to back off to draw Derglasova out, who who seemed sort of keen to to get the fight done, and then hitting with hitting with counterattacks and and parry repost. It was um, sort of good work. I sort of changed late in the fight, and the other thing that she did quite a bit, which does, uh, but it's something that we see more and more of in foil, is using the point in line uh, to, to slow Derglasova up. Uh, so we we get level at fourteen all. And then we get a properly controversial final hit. Bettini has point in line out again. Uh, Derek Lasova has a look for it. Bettini withdraws the point in line, and both fencers lunge. And it's given as uh, Bettini's attack. It, it didn't look like that to me at the time. That wasn't my, my sort of initial reaction. And indeed, Derek Lasova uh, and our coach uh, Ildar Magliotov both look absolutely livid and a lot of shouting at the referee and a great deal of grumpiness. To be honest, I'm, I'm inclined to inclined to agree with them. But Bettini advances to the final with a, a hard-fought uh, 15-14 win. So second semi-final, uh, Alicia Volpe against the Kiefer. Uh, again, another one where level for, for most of the fight. Volpe, Volpe would edge ahead by a few hits, two or three hits. Kiefer would then sort of draw it back and it kind of inched up and forward, uh, inched forward at that, that sort of way, you know, Volpe getting ahead, Kiefer levelling it up. Volpe... Trying to apply as much control over the fight to kind of slow it down. Mm-hmm. Kiefer trying to look for the absolutely opposite. A lot of bouncing up and down, looking for her speed and mobility to to throw Volpe off balance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. A, a, you know, a really severely contrasting styles and, and yeah. really interesting to watch proper proper battle and see who's uh, who can apply their tactics most effectively. And by the time we get to nine all, Kiefer's, Kiefer's absolutely hyper by this time. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's properly manic, and she she goes on a run of. Um, sort of fast hits and sort of no, no time at all to get to to get to thirteen nine up. But I mean, my feeling was that the action was sort of so manic that she had kind of almost no control over it. She she felt it looked like she had no choice but to keep going at this pace, but would actually been quite grateful to be able to slow down a little bit and try and apply a bit of control. And in the end, it was Volpe that actually uh, you know sort of held her nerve and, and mm-hmm. sort of steadied things down a bit uh, and scored six hits in a row to take the win. Um, I mean, it's like watching a it's like watching a French men's foil match. It was, uh, it was that it was that crazy in terms of the the pace of it. Kiefer came off at the end of it, looking like she couldn't quite believe the fight had had, had got away from her, away from her having having got that that mm-hmm. sort of so late in the fight. Do you think there was an aspect that uh, Alice was kind of just figuring Lee out? I always well, say to people, you know, if you go a few hits down, it's it's not the end of the world as long as you're paying attention. If you're paying attention, <laughs> you can you, you can bring it back, right? Yeah. Well, the thing was, it was um, Volpe that was always kind of edging out to a lead by two or three hits, mm. and and Kiefer clawing it back um, until that point at nine all, where where Kiefer went on a run of hits. As I say, it, uh, it had a weird feel about it because the the sort of, whole sort of rhythm and tempo of the fight had got so so crazy fast by that time. It, it felt like a run of hits had had almost happened, not mm. not quite by surprise, but um, that there was no no real obvious. Um, Sort of next hit yeah. for Kiefer, if you like, apart from to just keep going, going as fast and keeping it as manic and hyper as, as she could. And uh, and Volpe had that sort of run of hits that she'd lost, but kept calm mm-hmm. and uh, managed to get the get the job done. So the final itself was a little bit of an anti climax with a you know two Italians and it, it looked like fencers who, who who know each other's fencing inside out. Um, some nice nice flick to the shoulder from Volpe, 
and sort of marginally better timing from her overall in the fight. And in the end, takes a takes a fairly fairly comfortable win, fifteen ten. Good to see, good to see Volpe back in the on top of the podium. I think we we yep. quite like her. We do, yeah. Uh, and after a, a couple of sort of tough results at the World Championships in in, in Algiers, um, good to see her back on form. I think probably equally equally pleased for Martina Patini, who's now starting to apply a bit of pressure on uh, on Palumbo for the the final team spot for the Olympics. Um, mm. Had a look at the rankings after this. Palumbo's still in tenth, with Patini now moving up to to nineteenth. So quite a big gap. But the next couple of competitions, Palumbo's defending a lot of points. Um, Right, right, right. Slight, slightly different order to the season. Um, Sam Moore last season was the sort of second World Cup. She was third. Blue was third at that, and then third at the at the Grand Prix in Turin. So effectively, she's defending. <coughs> uh, she's defending fifty World Cup points, whereas Martina Bettini's results there were, were rubbish. Two last sixty fours. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of potential for the uh, for a, a big swing mm-hmm. uh, in Bettini's favour. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Certainly at the start of the, well, certainly when Bettini and Di Francesca came back after after giving birth, I thought that Bettini, Di Francesca, Irigo and Volpe would be would be the team. And mm-hmm. while well, Bettini hasn't sort of stepped straight back in, that's, I think that's starting to look increasingly likely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, talking to teams, as I say, a few a few absentees, and it had a bit of an effect on on what happened in the teams. Hungary, who who came into this, seeded uh, well. World ranked eleventh, uh, beat Canada in the last sixteen. That's interesting. Uh, pretty comfortably, yeah. Uh, so no, no Eleanor Harvey in the in the Canadian team had a pretty comfortable win for the the Hungarians. And the other one was the eighth and ninth seed China beating Korea and China marginally lower lower seeded. Um, mm-hmm. I've not watched this one because the score was thirty twenty two, and that sounds extremely dull. Um, <laughs> I may I, I may be wrong, but um, I'm not going to go back and check. Uh, so on to our quarterfinals. Um, all of them fairly straightforward, really, um, with some some surprises here. Um, Russia beat China 44-31. Japan beat the USA 45-33. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that's a, a USA team missing a couple of big names. Hungary beat France, which I think is probably the biggest surprise, um, 45-38. And Italy beat Poland uh, 45-33. So Italy and Russia are the two strongest teams at the moment. Uh, France and USA are, are not that far behind. Um, mm-hmm. France have had some really good results. They won a, a run of World Cups at the beginning of last season. And of course, USA were world champions in 2018. Um, oh, and and both, both, both of them have um, dropped off in their form just a little bit. But um, losing to Japan um, for the USA uh, and losing to Hungary for France are, are a bad day at the office. Uh, so our semi-finals uh, again, pretty straightforward. I mean, Japan and Hungary have had big wins to get there, but Russia beat Japan forty twenty one, and Italy beat Hungary forty five twenty eight. Two matches that are uh, that were exactly as straightforward as the as the scores suggest. And in the the battle for for the third place, uh, Japan beat Hungary forty five thirty two, but still two very good days. Uh, a good day for. Sorry, both those teams taking third and fourth. On to a Russia-Italy final. And apart from the sort of first leg where Derek Lizova um, beats Volpe in the in the first fight pretty comfortably, 5-1, 5-2, something like that. It looked like Italy all the way. Irigo particularly impressive. And we get to the end of the eighth leg and Italy are 39-28 up. Um, and it looks like 
pretty much job job done and a, a convincing win for Italy. Final leg, Derek Lisova, obviously, for Russia uh, against Lisa Di, Di Francesca, you know, Olympic champion, silver medalist at the last Olympics, reigning European champion. Um, uh, but then Derek Lisova goes absolutely bonkers, to be honest, and uh, pulls back that massive deficit and manages to level at 40, 41 all. Right. Um, wow. Having been having been forty one thirty nine down with like about five seconds left, um, it was just crazy. And I didn't look at all possible. I mean, with about a minute and a half to go, um, she was still like about eight hits down. I mean, there's bits of bits of this final leg where it looks like she's doing her sort of her best her best Lee Kiefer impression, but you know, like <laughs> a foot like a foot taller, um, mm. and and eventually Derek goes over with priority. Takes the win in, in the extra minute for an absolutely phenomenal comeback. So Derek Lozova wins that final leg fourteen two mm-hmm. against one of her wow. her main rivals. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just incredible. Um, even if you don't, you know, if time's short for you, um, go and watch that final leg. It's incredible stuff. So, um, so yeah, the kind of summary for the for the weekend is it's a, a toss up for for team gold between Italy and Russia. None of the other teams are close at the moment. USA are going to need Nicole Ross and Zinka Prescott, I think, to be in their mm. team yeah. to, give them a, to give them a chance of a medal because they they don't look a strong enough team to, to challenge without those two there. I wonder why they weren't there, do you know? I don't know, actually, no. And it was only when I came to... Uh, I hadn't really spotted it when when the individual was going on because, yeah. you know, people get knocked out early. And, but it became really obvious during the during the team event on the Sunday that, oh, hang on, there's a, there's a few names missing here. That was uh, had a huge effect on the... USA team's in, um, effectiveness. If anybody doesn't know why they weren't there, and and I'm hoping it's a a very temporary absence, yeah, please please do get in touch and let us know. I'd be fascinated to know what's uh, what's happening there. So yeah, that was Sam Moore. It was good. Excellent. <laughs> it was good. Looked great from my sofa. <laughs> right, time for you, um, you world travellers, to um, to take over. Kate, you were in Salt Lake City. I was indeed. Tell us all about it. It's cold in Salt Lake City, and it's oh, right, high okay. altitude as well. It's, ah, right, uh, okay. I would think. I think it's about um, four thousand feet above uh, water level, water sea level. Oh, okay, yeah. So That's, on uh, the first couple of days, if you've not <clears throat> trained beforehand, it can mm-hmm. uh, throw you off a little bit. But luckily, yeah. I was there for the for the week before the competition to do some training. Uh, nice. But yeah, we'll go straight for. I've included the ninety six or the the first day because mm-hmm. we have uh, Igorian going out in the oh really second round of that. Yeah, she went out to Ma of China. Like me, I didn't right. that. Yeah, that's uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's probably surprising. That's mm-hmm. a banana skin, isn't it? Now, now Kate, you've you've skipped neatly on to. What everybody else did. Tell us about your your own outing in Salt Lake City as well, because we we do want to know this stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know, I know, I know the answer obviously already, <laughs> but uh, you know, our listeners, I'm sure, would want to know how your how your weekend went. It was it was ups and downs. It was it was a uh, I've had a better. I think it's that sort of performance doesn't always reflect the results, or results don't reflect the performance. But happy in my end result in the first half of the pool was a bit iffy uh lost my first three fights and then won mm. my last two against fences i thought were going to be the stronger ones um and because i was in the small pool i managed to get into the preliminary d's and went out to uh Chrisio of 
Italy, 15-8. But it was an alright fight, sort of those, an okay first half, the second half was a bit iffy and then worked out what I needed to do and then went for a silly hit in the middle and she won. Mm. But right. quite, quite a tough draw to get as your, your first preliminary D fight. Yeah, she's about 20-something in the, she's in the top, what, top 32 in the world rankings. Yeah, comfortably, I think. And, and has and has been higher as well. Yeah, one of the top Italians. And then I saw her go out in the next round, actually, mm-hmm. to an American. There was quite a lot of younger Americans at the competition. They were quite nifty. So, yeah. <laughs> sort of unknowns coming out and getting quite a few hits and beating fences that you weren't expecting them to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of the American, you know, I've watched junior and cadet American Sabrars when we were in in Turin um, earlier in the year, and um, they they always look a strong team. There's plenty plenty of depth there now in in USA fencing, uh, pretty much in all the weapons. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that uh, ones you've never seen before were actually turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so no, it was an alright alright day for me. It won't be at the the next competition is not Montreal for me, but it'll be later in March. It's either Athens or Sydney. All right. So anyway. Back to the results. Enough mm. of me, enough of me. Um, <laughs> so modest. <laughs> so we have Bez Bez as well going out in the 96 and Crisio and Martin Portuguese of Spain mm, yeah. having a hard draw against uh, Jorge Ardu of Greece. Sort of one of those last 32 matches, maybe a 64 kind of match, I would have yeah. thought. And 64, Vecchi, Italy out Shao, who hmm. meddled in a couple of the the last end of last season World yeah, Cups and Grand Prix. Yeah, been on the uh, recently. out as well, and Gregorio and Yoon as well, also out on the sixty four. Uh, I think overall on the day there was a few losses that you weren't expecting. So if you're watching them fencing, you're thinking, "Oh, such and such has got it." You walk off, and then you come back, and you go. Wait, did they lose? Did that just happen? What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah. Not in any disrespect to the other fences, but on paper, when mm. you look at it, you sort of have a preconceived idea of what's going to happen. Uh, 32. Yeah, pushed I, Pascu, Choi, Gukuntura, Aoki. Some crazy yeah. crazy drops out. Uh, yeah. 16. Velikia, Marton, Posnikova, Kim, Jiyong Kim. It's, yeah, it was... Yeah. So who's left? <laughs> <laughs> so in the eight, we had, and it yeah, it was Nuchka of France, who's actually one of the younger fencers. I think she is ninety-eight. Birth, okay, so just yeah, just early, <laughs> early in seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. young she in the seniors. In the, she got a run out in the French team. I think at some point was it last season? She did a. It's only one competition. She was, yeah. You know, I was slightly surprised to see her, her in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They've had that. Um, I'll talk a bit later about it. But yeah, they've had a sort of with the French team of the fourth member is the sort mm-hmm. of one of who's going to be in the team. They've had a going through the different um, fences of. Yeah, that's one of my ex, who's going to be in the team. Sort of exciting parts. Um, but yeah. yeah, she put out the uh, lucky quite uh, fifteen thirteen. Mm. On that one, Poznikova out to Komashuk, actually, who is a very strong fencer of Ukrainian. Yeah. I've also got Brunei's through Limbach of Germ- Germany, 
Yes. Normally, so I don't think she's had. There's Lembach of France and yeah. Limbach <laughs> of Germany. Yeah, so Charlotte Lembach of France, Anna Limbach, Germany. That's that, yes. Is that right? Yep, yeah. that's correct. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> out to Olga Karlan in the eight. Hmm. But yeah, it was some interesting uh, results for a few people. But I guess with the uh, inclusion of the Olympic season coming up, it's getting a bit tight and a bit. It's getting interesting, I'll say. So we yeah. get to the semi. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I was. I mean, I was going to say when I was in when I was in Bonn, it mm-hmm. felt felt like there was sort of uh, palpably more tension than there had been at the same event the previous year. Does it have Does it have that sort of same feel for for you that there's a? It feels like there's clearly more at stake than there is uh, in in a normal season. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone's a little bit a little bit more tense, a little bit a lot more's on the line as well. Hmm. Especially when it comes to the team events as well. That's when yeah. it gets especially interesting of points and rankings and who goes where. Okay, into the semi-finals, we have Sio of Korea versus Kian of uh, China. And it was Kian has the lead up 5-3. And it's most of it's, it's Kian reacting um, to Sio who's if there's they've really the the semi-finals in comparison to the final of the women's was a bit more intense, a bit more interesting personally. Um right. and at any any points it was just that the fences were reading each other and adapting really quickly. So there's a couple of times when Kian's got this massive step lunge, the Chinese girls, it's really athletic, really tall, and she just catches CO. So the next one she's she's adapts her full short and the next one she's adapting and then the next and the next and the next and the next and then we go into the break eight seven so it's point for point each one really strong full shorts from Kian but the Korean long attack is just so smooth and she's just Sio's just picking it off points off Kian I think the only thing she has to do is with that long attack you have to upset someone's rhythm she tries to do counter attacks into it and it's not working she tries to do different things um, but you have to really upset them. So eventually she does, she draws her attack, makes a miss, draws her attack, power post. She brings it back from about, I think she's, it's 11 all, and then brings it back to 13 11. CO brings it back, and it's 14 all. And it's the, so throughout the fight, we've seen in the middle, Kian has a really strong long attack uh, in the middle, because she's got a huge step lunge, and she'll just get CO. And CO has been really good at. Faint, fainting into the middle, drawing that attack and getting right out of the way. And then yep. the last attack, she goes for a little immediate riposte. So almost you just miss the fencer and then you hit them. And she yep. just, as she goes that, she goes that step back. I can, it's the timing so iffy that if you step back, you know, she's finished attack. So it's, it's I had to watch the fight a couple of times when I got back on slow-mo so I could see it again. Because <laughs> so I was going, I don't, I still don't get it. I don't get it. But now I've got it that she does a step, she does attack no from Kian. Sio steps back and then Kian picks up the attack. So it's that tiny little one and she gets the gets the fight, 15-14. But yeah, that was an exciting fight to watch. Prophecy sort of stuff and yeah, lots of, lots of tactical adaptability. Sounds good. Yeah, I like fencing when it's, it's like creative fencing rather than just smashing out hits and just when they're both sometimes it's 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 nice when you see like a bulldozer of a fencer just knocking someone out but <laughs> yeah. you've got that sort of oh what's she gonna do oh she's planned this and then she's planned what she's gonna yeah 
It's sort of double-double bluffing and triple bluff mm. and all sorts. And then your other semi-final is Orleans final of Carlan mm. Brunet. I think Carlan learnt a lesson from last time. It was not letting Brunet have anything. So she's almost waiting for Brunet to make any mistake in the middle. She's, she's doing a really slow preparation in the middle. The middle is oh, so crazy in Sabre, but she's having to let Brunet make the mistake and then pick her off. And I think there's a point. The scores don't look that much. I think there's 10-7 at one point. And although they're not that far off each other, it just looks like Carlan's got control of the fight. She's just getting, yeah. she's setting up parapost in the middle that you don't even think is possible. She's getting counterattacks, and yeah, she she's thirteen seven, thirteen eight, thirteen nine. So it's a point where you think Brunei's got a comeback because she's had mm-hmm. a comeback in Orleon, and then. Uh, Carlin says no you're not having it yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's enough of that she gets a sneaky counter-attack and a para- uh, no a ca- counter-attack on the back line which ballsy and she gets it mm. and she wins so <laughs> gold star for Carlin and then it got to the final of Kian and Carlin and I think after the excitement of the other two semi-finals it was a bit of a flat sort of mm. 4-3 sort of kind of flat middle 8-5 waiting for it to pick up doesn't really I think it's just because the other ones have just been so exciting you're watching the other ones you're like oh okay it was kind of quiet as well in the hall but it ends up with another the same counter attack that she hits Brunei with at the end against Kian it's it's really nice to watch it's nice I love a good counter attack as well so it's 15 59 I didn't can't remember the score Mm. that sounds right I did I did have a look uh, I did I did watch this one actually and yeah after two good semi-finals, it's maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a letdown, but um, it's off in the way though. Yeah, yeah. you've got either you can't really match that level mm. if it's been such a good one beforehand. Especially like you said, when there's two, they're either two fences that have know each other really well, or it's just not. Sometimes it's just not exciting. It's funny <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen yeah. often in Saber. I would just like to point no. out. No, absolutely. No, it's not like Epi or something. Jeez. Oi. Uh, well, Gav, you know, I think I think you may have to uh, reconsider your position on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to do you want to do that now, or will we wait till after we hear about the teams? Uh, well, you know me. I, I just love women's saber. Saber is best. Yay! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, nothing forced about that at all. That's good. good. No eye roll, anything. No. No, no. From the heart, that was. Absolutely. Okay, so Olga Carlan winning again. Not not a massive surprise, but um, pretty convincing stuff by the sounds of it. Yeah. And then into the team event, I'll move straight into. Like I said before, we have Nucha as the fourth fence of the French team. Mm Mm-hmm. And previously they had Rifkis and they've had Kiroli. I think at the previous Olympics they had Budiaf as their fourth fencer. So I think they'll definitely qualify unless something drastic happens. It's just who's going to be in the team. I think that might happen with a couple of the teams as well, uh, like USA, of who's going to be in the Mm. team and who's going to qualify. And I should have said before that there wasn't any uh, Dagmara Vosniak She's still yeah, recovering still from an injury. But she was there to support and train with the, the girls, which was nice of her. Ah, okay. So up and about and actually doing some fencing now, even if not quite ready to 
Yeah. To get back into competition. She okay, was no, the uh, she was sort of the peace side for the the US team as well, which was nice. And I think sometimes it's nice when you have you have a coach, but when you've got a I don't want to call her a veteran, but someone who knows what they're doing as a fencer is also quite nice. Yeah. So last sixteen, Ukraine beat Japan fifteen forty five thirty nine. Uh, China beat Poland 45-43. They were quite tight fights. I think Poland had a really good lead and it was sort of that they've got it in the bag and then China brought it back. We were seeing it from afar because there's you know so many pieces you can watch at one point. Yeah. And we're like, you watch that one, you watch that one, I'll watch yeah. them. What's the score, what's the score? Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I think a bit of drama happened. I feel like there's some drama, I don't know. Uh, but going on to the quarterfinals of Ukraine beating Russia 45-42. Um, oh, yeah. And no Velikia fencing in the team. In the Russian right, team. Yeah, they put uh, Igorian on against Karlan on the last fight, which I'm not a, I'm not the Russian coach, but probably... <laughs> what, I don't know if I would do that if I had, you know, Velikia on my team. Yeah. Yeah, I find it just... It's an interesting well, I suppose choice, it's kind of at that, at that point of the season now where... Russia and Russia know that they're going and now they're kind of using this middle bit of qualifying to, to kind of test things out and you know, try some alternatives from what uh, might be considered their, their standard running order and not to say see, it wasn't see what else they can work. Yeah, not to say that their other team wasn't successful. They did they were, you know, point for point every every match. There was it was either swinging to Russia was winning, they the Ukrainians were winning about like a couple of points out. I don't think it wasn't until the the last match, and it was a point where you thought, I think actually, the Ukrainians, oh no, wait, the Russians, oh no, it's Ukrainian, oh no, and then, <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been 41 all at one point. Yeah, you, I think from memory, Carlin just kept in getting caught in the middle by Gorin, so she just takes it right out and has nothing to do with it and just changes the gear and, uh, yeah, wins that one, 45 42. Then we have Hungary beating Korea as well. 45-35, which I would say is quite comfortably against mm, strong yeah. team. USA beating Italy, another strong team out, and France beating China as well. Yeah, it's exciting. So that's, there. A, that's a good one for for USA in particular, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've certainly commented, and I think you have as well, that you know, USA haven't haven't been up, up on the podium terribly often for for a while. And, and beating yeah. Italy, Italy are a pretty a pretty hard team. Yeah, I think there was a lot of comebacks and then losses. It was it, for the quarterfinals. It was really exciting. Uh, I'll move on to the semi-finals of Hungary beating Ukraine forty-five forty-two. Sorry, spoiler. Um, but that I think that was a quite the the might have been the biggest match. If you know that the that's the two Europe the two teams sort of who who wins of who's closer to Olympic selection. Yeah, yeah, two of them battling it out to clean the the European spot outside the outside the top four. Yeah, because it, it sort of felt like maybe that the Ukrainians were feeling that a little bit because oh. I don't think they could maybe they couldn't hit a long attack if their mm. life depended on it. It was, you know, you sort of go, oh yeah, they're not. Oh, what? How, how did you? How did you miss that? Like, wh- what's going on? I can now. I know what it feels like when you're the coach. You go, just hit them. <laughs> just hit them. Yeah. Hit them. What are you doing? Such um, a simple game. Yeah, it was quite a flat game, and I really thought that there was points. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe they're going to pick it up. Maybe Ukraine. Maybe they're going to do it. 
But no. So it's okay. It's okay. Now you know why all coaches just stand at the side of the piece screaming, just hit them. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Move your feet. Just hit them. Oh. Stop missing. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. I don't, well, I don't know if I'd really want person to shout that against the, at Carlan, but yeah, I get your feeling. Mm. <laughs> but no, it was it was a strange it was a strange one because you know on paper you'd think Ukraine and would beat Hungary. They've got Carlan; she's a strong fencer. <coughs> They've got yeah, Kosmoshuk. She made a thirteen point comeback as well, mm. and then yeah. they still lost it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's when you're going to come off feeling aggrieved. You know, you've kept mm. your part of the deal, and your your teammates haven't. Haven't done it for you. Yeah, and it was it was not Carlan on the end as well. She wasn't the anchor. Oh yeah, that team right, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I don't know if that's because she was anchoring the other fights. It's just she's got a thing against Push Style. Push Style's got a thing against her that they can't, they do or don't want to fend. It's yeah. I want to know yeah. why. That's I want the gossip. People give me the gossip. Now I noticed that because I, I think I can't remember. It must have been at the. Um, in Orleon, I noticed that she didn't finish one of the one or two of the matches as well. It seemed well a bit odd then, and didn't I think work out particularly well for Ukraine in that occasion. I mean, maybe it is just that uh, Pushtai has got her number. To, it seemed odd. Yeah, it's uh, it was an odd decision. And then so they have a final of Hungary versus France because France beat USA. So I skipped that one. France mm-hmm. beat USA, mm-hmm. but that was like. Because all the drama was happening on the peace with Ukraine and Hungary, I missed the fight of France and Russia, uh, France and USA. But yeah. it looked a pretty comfortable win of forty-five thirty-one. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's not really in doubt. Yeah, especially against the French team, are they are the ones to look at when you want to see a good team ethos, culture, all those sorts of words. Yeah. Um, if you want to get to the, it was quite close. It gets a bit interesting at the fourth leg. It's 59. It's a little bit close. Expecting a comeback from Marton. And uh, it's Limbach and Marton. And it Limbach just pretty much annihilates the 2013. Hmm. And the whole fight, the French team, I think they had a taxi waiting because <laughs> they got on, they fenced, and then they were off again, and they're on, and then they're off. And the, I think the Hungarians sort of didn't know what had happened because they walked to the on guard line. They went across, they smacked them, got back to on guard line again. They had a plan, they stuck to it, they were decisive off the middle, they knew that what they wanted to do, and Berde was taking crazy parapost as per usual. Yeah. Like <laughs> prime repost on the back line. I'll take that one. Mm, yeah. Yeah, good entertaining stuff. Oh yeah, great fun. And then the score at the end of that was forty five twenty five. Ooh, yeah, that's a that's a something. Yeah. Then some really great little segments of fencing from the French team. Not to put a downer on the Ukraine, uh, the Hungarians to get them into the final of a World Cup is against the odds, really. Yeah, and it means that they will overtake Hungary in the current sort of Olympic qualification rankings yeah. or perspective rankings, as it were. So, you know, hats off to them. But it did look pretty easy for the French team. Yeah. So, yeah. Good stuff. And so what was Salt Lake City? What was Salt Lake City like? Salt Lake City itself, it's interesting, especially because I did training in New York beforehand, then went over to Salt Lake. It's a very lovely city. Everyone's really friendly. They've it's the centre of the Latter Day Church of Latter Day Saints. That's right. Mm, yeah, so Mormons. Got, the, the Mormons. Yes, yeah, so they've got the massive. 
temple and it was all lit up for Christmas and it was all very lovely. Uh, and the Salt Lake Palace Convention Center is massive. It's huge. <laughs> Half the journey, I think, from our hotel was just actually walking through the venue to get to the <laughs> hall. It's huge. Um, yeah, I think there is the t- Junior World Championships going to be run there, I think, pretty yeah, successfully. Right. It looks, looks like they've got loads of space. There's loads of hotels nearby. They've got massive shopping centers. Don't know. I haven't got. I haven't been paid by the Salt Lake City Tourist Board. <laughs> I'm just given a rough idea of what there is. Cool. But yeah, okay. it was nice. So it's pretty good. So Gav, your your next up, <clears throat> our, our final world traveller, mm-hmm. um, kept us pretty quiet uh, last time round. Although I, I kind of knew it might be in the offing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You were in Tokyo. How on earth did <laughs> yeah. that happen? Well, I've got to be honest. I still don't know how on earth. My name came out of the hat on this one, but uh, I was phoned up in the middle of the day and asked if I wanted to go down to Tokyo to be the hall announcer for the test event. Uh, and, and if all goes well, I might get to go to the Olympics and be the hall announcer at the Olympics. So yeah, I'm not fencing at the Olympics, but uh, I'll, certainly, <laughs> I'll certainly be there. So I, it, so basically what happened is over the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing with uh one of the sports presentation companies that's involved uh, with the, with the test and the Olympic event uh, about they needed an MC to go down because they need a, an English language person to go down and need someone who has an accent from the British Isles and uh, they came across me somehow and decided that they wanted me to go and do it so uh, I checked with everybody and they said yeah that's such an amazing opportunity why don't you go even my boss said yeah hell yeah I want to go to Tokyo <laughs> so <laughs> so I got to go. So nice. uh, fantastic. So, <clears throat> I, so I take down. it they hadn't. <clears throat> I take it they hadn't heard your struggles with uh, pronouncing pronouncing various names on on here. <laughs> to be fair, I quite <laughs> of, to be to be fair, I quite often edit them out, but I do leave the old one in there. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, well, well, you know, apparently it went quite well. What can I say? We did check the pronunciation every time I wasn't sure about uh, someone's name, and there might have been a few that just sneaked through. There was a. <laughs> I'm not going to mention him, but one of the Spanish fences I probably should be apologising to right now because I looked at his ah, okay. name and I just guessed because I was like, oh, we, no one's told me how to pronounce this one and it's all Zs. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> it's all um, Zs. So, uh, so there we go. So basically what happened was last Wednesday, so we're recording and this is the Friday before Christmas. So last Wednesday I got on a plane and they flew me to Japan and I got off the plane and more or less went straight to the, the test event. Uh, so I was incredibly uh, jet-lagged for about the first six hours of the test event. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I was doing. And it meant, uh, it meant I got to go to Japan, so I've ticked that off my bucket list now. And uh, I got to go to Japan and sit in a hall, uh, sit in a fencing hall for 14 hours. Because that's what you do in fencing. You just travel the world sitting in halls. It's the same hall, but it's in a different country. Yeah, so exotic. That I've got to say that it's in a the the, the Olympic of the, the so the fencing hall is in Chiba, so it's not it, it's Tokyo. I think it is part of Tokyo now, but it's kind of just on it's at the edge of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Chiba counts as a different city or whatever now, but it's in Chiba and there's a big there's a big exhibition center. I'm probably showing the ignorance of Tokyo here, but anyway, and it's where all the it's kind of like if you imagine the SECC in Glasgow uh, or maybe the O2 in London, but about ten times bigger. Right. Yeah, about 10 times bigger. And the thing that really got me was uh, at night, it really does look like you're walking through the set of Akira. 
<laughs> I, honestly, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you walk along as a path, uh, and then if you want to cross the road, you can cross the road and you can keep walking, and that's all cool. Or you can take a flyover, and that flyover, it doesn't just get you over over the road. It's actually in a completely different level of paths, which take you to different places. And it, they sort of lead in between these sort of large towers of restaurants that you can go in between and shopping centres and things. And the first the first time I came out of the venue, I took a wrong turn and ended up going completely the wrong direction and wandering off into into Chiba properly and just going, oh, I have no idea where I am. And uh, because there was no, uh, because there was actually no sort of data available to me there and I've got so so lazy and used to Google, uh, I couldn't find my way back to my hotel. I just had to sort of bumble <laughs> around until I spotted something that I recognised and head in the right direction. So you really are not safe to be let out in your own. So, yeah, uh, was, that's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was good. I mean, once I got my head around what we were doing, it, it, it all went smooth. The whole, the whole looks looks quite nice. You've probably seen it on the, on video. Mm. Um, they haven't gone for the diagonal. There's some comments about this actually amongst just people wandering around the hall. They haven't gone for the cross. Yeah, that they had diamond, real cross shaped or diamond shape. Yeah, they went for the, sort of the more traditional uh, four piece layout with the central one, same as we'll see in Paris when we go to Paris. Yeah, uh, same, so, same at all the World Cups. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if they'll change the layout for the Olympics or whatever, but there was a few people that actually commented on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so should we just talk about some fencing then, uh, rather than just yeah. be going, I went to Tokyo, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's just making me more insanely jealous. So yeah, yeah probably best to actually yeah. just uh, tell us about some fencing, please. Yeah, oh, uh, right. So I was going to say as well, breakfast is a, a strange thing in Japan. You have the same thing you have at dinner. <laughs> But you have it in the morning as well. It's weird. Anyway, okay. So I was in Tokyo. It's a test event, it's a World Cup. So we've got both the individual and also a team event. Uh, our early leavers in the sixty-four: Carlos Yavador, uh, Choi of Hong Kong, Erwin Lipishu, uh, Kalong, uh, Chung Kalong, Hong Kong, and uh, Gerrit Meinhardt. Uh, all went out in the sixty-four. Out in the thirty-two: Avila and uh, Julian Martin. And then out in the 16, uh, we lost uh, Racing Bowden, uh, Lee Kwang Hyun of uh, Korea. Uh, he went out as well. So uh, it wasn't complete carnage, but uh, quite a few of the sort of, sort of recognisable names went out. If you're following sort of foil, so one of the up and coming stars in the Italian group is uh, Tommaso Marini. It was actually Alex Tefalides beat him quite comfortably to make it in, in the 64, to make it into the 32. But then Alex just bumped into Enzo, who completely uh, destroyed him, I hate to say. Also, uh, a, bit of, a bit of a shame to see Richard Bow out in the 32 as well, because obviously he had a lot of points from last year that he was carrying into this, and uh, it just didn't work on the day. So into our, our last eight matchups. So our, our first one is uh, uh, Maxime Poti uh, up against uh, Alexander Masialis. It's actually quite a good fight, this one. If you get a chance to go and go and see it, the sort of the angle that we were in uh, as a, as the announcers and the production team was right at, it was at the right end at the end of the the piece, looking down the piece. So it wasn't yeah. a great angle for actually what the action. And where I was sitting, there wasn't a telly, and the only telly I could see was like at the other. It's a big hall. I was right at the other end of the hall, and it wasn't very big. Uh, so it was a. It wasn't easy to follow the action. This particular one, the crowd were the most into it, and I was actually just watching it. Basically, they just go they go toe to toe for the whole the whole match with uh, Maxim just taking it right at the end, fifteen fourteen, and it's actually it's quite a good one. Go back and watch that one. I think. Yeah, it's pro- proper slugfest. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Uh, our second last day is uh, uh, Cheremisinov up against Enzo Lafour. Uh, Cheremisinov looking quite strong in this one, beating Enzo fifteen six. 
again, Enzo just couldn't seem to get him at all. It was just a, it was a very it was a kind of an odd sort of odd vibe to that one. I thought mm-hmm. uh, the next last day is uh, Mister Nikitkin of the USA with Grot, so easing past him fifteen ten. Uh, Grotz looked pretty comfortable actually all the way through that one I thought uh, and then our last uh, our last eight was uh, Fakoni up against Cassara and uh, Fakoni you know comfortably defeating Andrea 15-8 so our semi-finals so we've got Maxim up against uh, Cheremisinov uh, it was Maxim up against uh, Cheremisinov uh, Cheremisinov had looked strong the entire day as I say he completely demolished Enzo in the previous rounds, we were all discussing exactly how strong he was looking. He defeated. Right, so our first semi-final was uh, Maxim Potti up against uh, Cheremisinov. Cheremisinov had looked strong all day and already disposed of uh, Enzo pretty comfortably. And everyone was commenting on quite how strong uh, Alexei was looking that day. But uh, Maxim was just on an absolute roll and just demolishes him and defeats him 15-10. It's the usual thing we, we see from uh, Maxim, actually, with that kind of frenetic fencing and really active so Cheremisinov had all day been baiting everybody and as soon as they sort of fell, fell for the trap he was uh, he was kind of like picking them off or blocking them out but Maxime would kind of reverse the game on him it basically just eased past him it was a good 15-10 there and then the other one was uh, obviously another Italian team matchup it was uh, Garozzo up against Vaconi. Uh quite a good one here but Garozzo just didn't seem to be able to get to Vaconi. if I remember correctly Garozzo takes an early lead but then Vaconi just finds his time uh, and after mm. that, it's just uh, for Kony to finish it all off. Uh, and yeah, the actual score is... Fif- sorry, go on, Sean. Yeah, I was, I was really struck by this one because uh, I think the scores were level at, at 9-0 at the mm-hmm. at the first break. And then as soon as they come back out after the break, it, it's all for Kony. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, everyone's at a, a 15-9 winner. It was uh, ruthless. It's like he's used the first first period to... Work things out, work out, you know, how he's, how he's going to get the job done and get it finished. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really impressive. And one of the things I noticed is Garotza fell into his old habit, you know, that, that whole thing where he would uh, kind of set it up and then he would relax and have his hand come forward quite slowly. Mm-hmm. And the refs are not calling it that way anymore. So Fukuni yeah. got a couple of free hits just because Garotza fell into sort of his old habits again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he lost at least two points, I can remember, uh, from doing that. So our, our final matchup is uh, Poti up against uh, Alessio. Compared to the semi-finals, I'm not going to lie, this is not a great final because Fukuni just comes out and absolutely batters Poti, just absolutely <laughs> destroys him. It's 15-5. Yeah, it's pretty, wow. pretty one-sided. Absolutely batters him. I mean, it's just, you know, we were quite a big, well, I'm quite a big fan of uh, Maxime, but uh, just, uh, you know, you know, I like Fukuni's fencing quite a lot, but he just literally couldn't stop hitting him. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> couldn't help himself. No, I've hit him again. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's 15-5. So, uh, so I think Alessio was a deserving winner there because he, he, he did the stuff and it was required. I should say, um, I got to see the, the, the fencing visualised action replay in the hall. Mm. Now, a couple of people have asked me whether or not they were doing this live, and the answer is they can do it live if they can t- attach the timing and the scoring systems. But if they can't, then they have to essentially push a button to make it work, and that made it problematic in the hall because somebody has right. to go, right, create the visualisation, show the visualisation. And there's a few times where I was sitting there watching it going... Oh, this replay, I'm not sure that's the right point. And the producer leaned over and said, "Yeah, we think we, we think they can't control it correctly because they can't get into the scoring box." And that's okay. partly what happened. It is almost real time, 
So even if they're not doing that, it's almost real time. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple of really great videos which are demonstrating go around online, and I really recommend people go, go and check them out because those videos are being produced about a second after the hits happened. Wow. So it's actually, yeah. it, even though the, the videos weren't always accurate that we were seeing in the hall, it is almost real time. And if they if they could have hooked up to the, the timing in the scoring box, what I heard was it would have been real time. And I think that's incredibly impressive bit of bit of work by whoever put that together. This, this has been a bit of a sort of pet project of um, uh, Yuki Ota yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for at least a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think that's the first time I've seen it properly rolled out at a competition mm-hmm. and used, as you say, almost, almost in real time. So. Was it on the stream? I, I mean, I, was, I couldn't watch the stream, so... No, 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 it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. I don't think so. We saw it in the hall, though, so it was interesting. Right. I mean, the Japanese fans were were obviously in the hall, and earlier on, when the Japanese fences were around, um, the hall was had a really great atmosphere. Mm. And having that on the screen at the same time was actually really something because sometimes they would show these really flashy hits that they'd seen from the. uh, It was just amazing. Check out the videos. Totally mind blowing what they were doing. Anyway, let's move on to the teams. Because obviously it's a World Cup, we've got teams to go through as well. Uh, in our semi-finals, we've got our first semi-final is USA versus Russia. Bit of a, a bit of a strong one this one, uh, with the USA just uh, taking Russia out 45-34. I actually thought it would be much closer than this because Russia were leading in the earlier legs. Uh, there was a particular leg about halfway through. Who was it? It was I think it was Massey Alice went on an absolute run of hits. No, it was Nick Hitkin, I think, on an absolutely massive run of hits and changed it from a deficit into a positive score. And from that, Russia couldn't recover. So it was all of Russia until that point, And then USA just eased past them. Uh, France in the other semi-final. Now, I'm going to tell you the score. 45-27. That's Ooh. France v Italy. Yeah. France absolutely battered Italy. I mean, I expected it to be a lot closer. I was sitting there, I got MC box and go and have a look at this one. And honestly, I've, I have never seen France... Oh, well, I probably have seen it, but not think about it. But in recent years, I've never seen France batter Italy quite as much as they were battering them that day. On they were just on fire. Italy couldn't hit them. They were nowhere near them at all. They looked yeah. in a different tier. It was that bad. There's actually a, a match that if anybody who's interested in, they should go back and watch. And that's in the 16, and it's Poland versus Korea. So if you get an opportunity, that's a really great match to go and watch. It's really close all the way through. Uh, right at the end, uh, the the Korean team are a few hits up as an injury, and, the, and it becomes it gets down to whether or not the Korean guy can hold off the Polish guy until the last minute. And it's a, it's well worth coming back to watch. It's really 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 enjoyable match. Anyway, sorry. So our third fourth playoff is Italy v, v Russia, and it was Italy that defeated Russia. All right. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. There we go. Uh, it's a good match. Can't remember the details though. In the final. <laughs> Uh, the final was uh, USA versus France again France were on a bit of a mission on this one I actually had a sort of a, an informal wager with, with uh, the other producers in the box and I said that USA were going to win because I was very confident that the USA would not lose because it's the USA but France actually defeated them and it's a, it was a cracking match from France again this is one of those ones that was quite close with, but with France just keeping their nose ahead, 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 ahead until the very last second, it got to a point where the, it was just slipped from out of the U, USA's grasp, and France took it forty-five thirty-nine. Yeah, so it was a good event, and I really enjoyed going to Tokyo, and I ate my body weight in sushi, Sean. <laughs> well done. I ate you. so much. I, I ate so much fish one day. I gave myself an upset stomach. 
<laughs> okay, so you would um, you would recommend going to going to Tokyo if at all possible? Yeah, I mean, there's other there's, the, the 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 Japanese are doing all kinds of interesting things. So they were there was T-shirt signings after the event. So they had a signing booth upstairs, and they had they had various members of various teams up there. So obviously the Japanese team would be one of them. But uh, yeah. but the final but the finalists, the USA and France, Italy. They, they were all up there signing t-shirts and things like that and the, the, there was lots of autograph hunters just running around the hall badgering people for for, for uh, autographs and things like that that was uh, so stuff like that going on they had little little t-shirt competitions you know you could win one of 15 t-shirts and all this kind of stuff um, yeah. and I actually got to see the they had all the logos up for the for the Olympics they had them all up on placards all over the place there was an anime co- convention on in the, in the next hall over and that was uh, that was crazy because you could see like millions of people just going into this one hall, sort of the much more sort of sedate kind of kind of fencing thing going on. Uh, the, right. At one point, the, the the Japanese did the usual. They had a guy came in and organised the Japanese fans in all their chants and calls. Oh yeah, that's always good entertainment when the you get a decent crowd of the Japanese supporters in in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine, um, but there was about seen that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah but there was about hundred times as many. Hundred <laughs> times as many. Yeah, two hundred, three hundred of these guys all doing these chants. It's a shame the Japanese didn't make it into the finals because it would have been amazing seeing that in mm. the final. They had guys dressed up like uh, like football fans with the multicolored wigs and face paint and all kinds of stuff. On it was great. Right. So yeah, I suppose actually our summary of all three is that semi-finals were absolutely brilliant in the individuals, and the the finals were a bit of a a bit of a letdown. So. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit weird. Okay, so I think that covers all the actual fencing action then. Bit of an update from our last one where we talked about, well, actually, in the end, uh, we <laughs> we actually released our podcast on the day that uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency made its decision on uh, Russia's, Russia, yeah. Russia's anti-doping agency's compliance or not. And in the end, um, Rusada declared non-compliant for four years. And the upshot of that is, in theory at least, uh, no Russian teams at World Championships and Olympics mm-hmm. is how it should work. But, well, details are a bit sketchy. Russia are going to appeal against that decision. Um, but even if it's still in force, it looks likely that what will happen is the same as similar non-compliance exclusion for Russia that happened at the Winter Olympics, where if you're Russian and you can prove you've been um, a good boy or girl, uh, you get to go and play as a an Olympic athlete of Russia. That's right. So we'll have we'll have no Russian tracksuits, no mm-hmm. uh, Russian flags, no Rus- Russian natal, national anthem at Tokyo. But the strong suspicion is we'll have plenty of actual Russians there competing. So quite whether that will mean that they get to take their team places or not is still just a little bit unclear. I suspect that there will be that we'll have uh, uh, no change, but a different tracksuit and flag. I got to say that the the, the Russians I saw didn't look particularly phased about. That particular about the actual doping decision, so mm. I think I think I think they're fairly comfortable about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the team selection because if obviously they've qualified as Russia, but then if they're going to change them to Olympic athletes of Russia, do they mm. still get to qualify, or can they only send the top the top of the zone, or what are they going to be sent? Yeah. Mm. What would your guess be? What would my guess be? I feel like they might send send them. I don't know. I don't know because if they send them as a team, then it's going to change everyone else's selection. If they send them, it's just one fence that'll change the whole selection. And yep, yeah, you've got then the whole the last year's top and yeah. I think they might just send them as a team of Olympic 
athletes of Russia, I yeah. think is what we might just end up with. Yeah, uh, same as last time. Yeah. Um, yeah, last well last time actually um in in Rio, uh, that was a Russian team. Uh, and basically it was down to each international governing body, so the FIE in the case of fencing, to decide whether mm-hmm. or not they were mm-hmm. they were comfortable with Russia competing and Russian athletes competing. Perhaps not entirely surprisingly, the FIE FIE went, Yeah, that's absolutely fine. On you on you go. Why don't I have a bit more power and they may be able to insist that uh, if Russia's appeal is not successful that there will be no Russian team as such. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My, my feeling is that, yeah, there'll be there'll be no shortage of Russians uh, in in Tokyo at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I, in, including a including a full complement of fencers, I would think. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know that this is the time or place to to have a lengthy debate whether that's a good thing or not, but I think that's I think that's the the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I don't quite know. I don't quite know what to say actually because it's. I, th- I think that what will happen last time is basically what's going to happen again. I mean, it might be worth just saying that, you know, certainly in men's foil, I think it's Germany that get to go if Russia don't get to go as a team. Is that uh, right? Yes, that's that's right, yeah. Um, uh, which would be... At the, at the moment, Russia are outside the top four, so they're taking uh, one of the European... Yeah. Uh, well, taking the, the European zone spot. Mm-hmm. Um, if Russia were to be binned off, then Germany would get the... Would get the upgrade. I mean, it's so possible mm-hmm. in men's fall that uh, Russia will move into the top four in the in the adjusted Olympic rankings. Um, in which case, Germany get to go anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, still a still a couple of World Cups left to go for men's foil, women's foil. I think most of the most of the, the weapons now are at the yeah. stage where they've yeah. got uh, a couple of World Cups and a couple of Grand Prix before uh, Olympic qualifying yeah. comes to an end. So it's a uh, serious business end of it now. I guess we won't know until after the appeal exactly what's going to happen. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly. what another two weeks. Is that right? Two weeks away. Is that right? I think I think Russia had three three weeks from the the date of the decision uh, to make an appeal. Mm-hmm. So they've already said that they will definitely appeal. We'll see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. You got so anyway, see. yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I think frustrating for for almost everyone that we don't have a, a definite final decision, particularly for something like fencing when uh, the qualification process is already already well underway. Yep. It does yeah. throw a whole load of uh, whole load of doubt into the mix that we can probably all do without. But anyway, so all off on our Christmas holidays today, mm-hmm. if we're not if we're not already. But we've got a whole load of stuff coming up in the second weekend of January. It's a massively busy weekend. What have we got to look forward to? Heidenheim men's epi. Yes. Havana women's epi. Yes. Katowice women's foil. Yes. First Grand Prix of the season from uh, Sabre from Montreal. Sabre is, Sabre is best. Yay! Well done, Gav. Well done. You get <laughs> you so get more proud. fluent with that one. <laughs> and uh, Gav and I will be in Paris doing the commentary uh, for uh, the Chalons International de Paris yet again because we're we're good at that. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Well, now you're an important person in the in the FIE setup. You know, you're able to walk, <laughs> walk, walk, walks in and go. You know, do you not know who I am? Yeah. And I'll go. No. Oh, they made me wear a suit. I should have mentioned that. I was told to wear. Oh a suit. yes, yeah, yeah. That's a properly uh, yeah. rare event. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and who, did, no who did you get to tie your tie? Uh, I can tie a tie. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely, that. I know how to tie a tie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and not just one of your schoolboy knots either, a proper. I know how to tie a tie. You can actually tie oh. it into a tie, not just in a bow or a knot. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> knot, Very good. Yeah. <laughs> good for good for like lassoing cattle and stuff like that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Round the head like a bandana, that sort of thing. Yeah, schoolboy rock. That's the sort of yeah. Yeah, quality look. I have to say that 
Oh, go on, go on. Uh, sorry, I was just no, going to no. say that every, everybody in Japan treated me as some kind of oafish giant. It was, it was quite nice. <laughs> well, just like we do over here. Yeah, pretty much. Only they were better. They were better at it. Ah, uh, okay. We'll yeah. try harder. So anyway, um, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, and you can email us if you if you want because we'd be interested to know things like why people were missing from Sam Moore, uh, and more book recommendations as well. We've only had one so far, mm. which I'm investigating at the moment, but we'd be interested more to have another mm-hmm. uh, another run at the Fencing Podcast Book Club. Um, so our email address is thefencingpodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all that we have until we speak to you again next year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Very festive. <laughs> See you next year. Bye. Bye.